Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another video. Today I want to talk about loneliness. However, before I do that, just a couple announcements. First thing, so I'm actually making all these videos into a podcast as well now. So if you just want to listen to the audio portion as a podcast, go down in the description of the YouTube video and you'll find the link to the podcast. So the second thing I want to mention is I implemented a feature on my website where you can go and ask me an audio question up to 90 seconds. So I'll do a couple of those questions today, but if you want to leave a question, click on the link below and go leave a question. Okay, now on to the video. So in this video, I want to talk about loneliness and specifically kind of the truth about loneliness. I have a few ideas on the topic that I thought I would share today. So I think sometimes people are a little confused about what loneliness is. I think on the surface, it seems like a lot of people assume loneliness is being alone. Uh, something I've kind of observed. The fact that loneliness comes from not having people around you. And then as a result, I have a feeling that a lot of people sort of spend their lives mitigating loneliness. What's mitigating? Sort of trying to prevent loneliness. And in their attempt to mitigate loneliness, they try to surround themselves with people. And then, you know, this makes sense because I think at our core, human beings, we're kind of social, tribal beings. We need other people. We survive best in groups. It's clear that most people structure their lives in such a way that they kind of limit being alone. So for example, in our culture, you know, families are encouraged. And people that choose not to, you know, get married and have kids are almost, I don't want to say shamed, maybe that's not the right word, but they're, it's, it's almost discouraged or it's looked down upon. It's almost like if a person actually chooses to be alone, like maybe there's something wrong with them or it's almost like, well, no, you didn't actually choose to be alone. You just couldn't find anybody. You, you weren't, you couldn't lock somebody down. Um, even when you listen to people about why they choose to have kids, you know, they, they want a big family. They, when they get older, they want someone to take care of them. They don't want to be alone when they're old. It's sort of like this fear of being alone. So here's an example. I know somebody in my real life and we were talking about personality stuff and I asked him some questions to see if, if he thought he was an introvert or an extroverted type of person. I mean, I can usually tell if somebody's introverted, extroverted, but sometimes I like to ask these people to see if they have kind of the self, what, what they kind of, how they kind of self-reflect on themselves, how they see themselves. Anyway, he kind of told me that like, he can't even sit in a room alone for 10 minutes before he's just like going crazy, like super antsy. He needs to get out of there and find some people, right? Yeah, I don't actually think that's a good thing. Like if you can't sit in a room and be alone without going crazy or being lonely, then I think it's possible you're kind of almost running from yourself or you're, you're trying not to face something that's inside you. You can't even sit with your own thoughts for 10 minutes before you, know, you need to run out and like stimulate yourself with other people or you know, some kind of media or something like that. I think that's maybe part of the problem with our world now we have so many options as far as stimulation. It's, it seems pretty rare for a person to just sit there and not do anything. 
just be alone with their thoughts. I think that's why meditation is an interesting concept. But I wonder if just sitting in a, in a room and looking at a wall, contemplating your own existence is something that a lot of people struggle with. I think that's one thing about myself is I got no problem doing that. I have no problems being alone and in fact I really enjoy it. But at the same time I have this need for people obviously. So it sort of raises the question like what is loneliness? Is loneliness simply being alone and not having people? I think that if you do that enough and you literally can't find people to be with, then yeah, I think that is loneliness. I think that is sort of the, the simplest form of loneliness. However, I don't think it's the most hopeless type of loneliness. In a lot of ways, that is a hopeful type of loneliness. If you are by yourself, if you are experiencing that type of loneliness, it's almost like you, can, you at least have hope that you can find somebody. If you work on it, keep working towards some kind of relationship goal, you know, you can find somebody. You can find people. So in a lot of ways, I think that that is sort of a hopeful form of loneliness. I realize if you're in that state, that might not seem very hopeful. But as I move on to this sort of other type of loneliness that I think exists, Maybe you'll resonate with that and maybe you'll discover that that's actually the source of your loneliness rather than actually being alone and not having anybody. I think a lot of people quench these thoughts and problems with kind of like quick fixes, almost like fast food for the soul. So I think like fast relationships, like small talk and hang. I think that's why maybe a lot of people really engage in these sort of small talk type relationships because it kind of fulfills something in, in them. It makes them feel like, you know, they are engaging with people and it kind of, I don't know, it's like, it's like a quick fix. Or I think something else people do is almost have like these imaginary relationships. They get into romantic relationships with people or friendships and it's almost like they're imagining like this relationship is something different than it actually is. Or they're kind of striving for this ideal relationship that they're never going to get, but they kind of hold on the hope that they will get this relationship out of this particular person. And it kind of satisfies that, that need for relationship. I think a lot of other people kind of quench those questions, those desires deep inside of them, those, their inner demons with things like religion. I think religion can solve a lot of these problems. If you have somebody to talk to in your head, no matter if you're alone, I think as far as psychology goes, that's probably quite comforting. So I heard this concept once, and it was this thought that we as human beings sort of long to be known. And in order to satisfy that, we look external to ourselves, to find somebody who can know us. But in that process, we market this inauthentic self in order to appear attractive to people. So we pretend to be things that we're not. We pretend to be somebody that we're not in order to find that sense of belonging, that sense of being known. But because we've marketed this false self, we are neither known or loved truly for who we are. And in the process, that just deepens the problem 
and makes us feel even less known. I think a lot of people will take our relationship over a good relationship just to satisfy their desire to have somebody with them all the time. And it's almost like it's sort of looked down upon or frowned upon if you even admit that you need alone time, that you want to spend time alone. Um, you know, how many people actually have the courage to, you know, take a vacation by themselves? Do I think people should be alone? No. However, I think that people are finding and seeking out relationships for the wrong reasons. So here is what I think is worse than being alone and being lonely because of being alone. And that is being with people who don't understand you, who can't understand you. People who basically do not accept you for who you are and likely won't accept you for who you are. They will only accept you if you act or be something else. These are the types of people who, when you have disagreements with, it's like there's no resolution. So I think for myself and other people who have personalities like me, being with people that won't let you resolve conflict and won't let you solve problems, especially interpersonal problems, that is basically like, it's like torture for me. Like if somebody will not let me do it and only wants to rug sweep, I have a very hard time with that. And this type of loneliness, I feel, can be quite hopeless. It can, it can feel like there's, there's no, how do you solve these problems? How do you get these people to understand you? How do you feel understood? And you kind of get to this point where you just realize that no matter what, you won't be understood. You'll never be known and I think that's where the hopelessness creeps in. And I think that's really where, for me, and maybe people like me, that's where really true loneliness comes from because there doesn't seem to be a way to fix it. I think a lot of people, they get into relationships for the wrong reason. They rush relationships. They get into situations where they're getting married to people who don't even really know them. They don't accept them. And so you could wake up years later after being married for a decade and realize how utterly lonely you are in this relationship. Here's this person that's supposed to be the closest relationship you have, or at least that's the way I look at what a marriage should be. Get this person, it's like almost like they don't even know who you are. I think a lot of people, especially people who have a lot of thoughts and ideas and intuitions, people who see the world a little differently, uh, like me, I have always seen the world drastically different than the people around me, it seems like. Of course, there's a few people who seem to get it. But if you're the type of person who grows up with that feeling, I think what can happen is, it's almost like you just learn to internalize a lot of these things and you don't share them because when you share them, you're kind of looked at with a, with a, with a weird look, right? How do you fix it? Like if you actually get to the point where you feel like this relationship, I, I can't, change this person. I can't force a person to understand me. I can understand them. I can work to accept them for who they are. I can work to listen to their ideas, but how do you force somebody to do the same to you? I think this is one of the, the running themes of my own life in the past, is that 
oftentimes, I can connect better with people than they can connect with me, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of people with specific personalities are like that. So I talk a lot about INFJ personalities on this channel. I think INFJs in general would probably have this problem. They find it easy to connect with people, to kind of see people for who they are. And then we sit back and hope that it will be reciprocated, but it never is. Because it's almost like these people don't have the capability to do that. Or maybe they just don't want to. I think there's a lot of people that have insecurities and they're scared of being vulnerable. And so as a result, they don't seek out vulnerability the same way that maybe I would. For me, I feel like I don't even have a relationship with a person unless there's vulnerability. So I haven't really talked much about my separation in these videos, but for me, this, is, this, is, this was real life, basically. This is, I lived in this state of intense loneliness. So like I was saying, I think that oftentimes I feel like I can connect with other people better than they can connect back with me. So in the end, I know a lot about them, but they don't really know anything about me. And so we, we go along in these relationships to the point where I feel like I know this person, but I feel extremely unknown by them. However, of course, I think there are healthy and unhealthy versions of this. For example, if you get into a place where in order to feel validated, you need external validation, you need to have a relationship with somebody just so they can validate you. So you kind of like bolster them up in order for them to validate you. There's a word for that, it's called codependency. If you can't validate yourself, if you can't trust yourself, if you need others to confirm everything, and I'm not saying once in a while, I, I think everybody needs a little validation once in a while, but if you can't even survive without a people's validation of you, then I would say that's something inside of you that you need to work on, and that is a codependent trait, whether people want to admit that or not. So here is one kind of ironic problem with self-growth. On one hand, you think, no, I'm bettering myself, I'm learning things, I'm having epiphanies, I'm coming to realizations. And if you're kind of an idea-based person, you know, you're doing this all the time. I mean, this is basically the core of my life, is looking out at the world, looking at myself, trying to figure things out and make sense of things. And now and then, I kind of come to these realizations or epiphanies about it. And it can take months or years to come to these realizations. I think the problem with this is, is once I've come to one of these things, is trying to explain them to other people. So I'm gonna throw out an analogy here. Let's say you live in the prairies. All you can see is flat fields, as far as you can see. You can't see any mountains. So you go on this expedition to the mountains. You find this trail up a steep mountain, something that you've never even seen. You've never even seen a mountain before, and you want to experience this thing, and you, you push towards that. You climb this mountain, it's all new experiences. As you go, you're realizing things you've never realized before. You're experiencing things you've never experienced. You're seeing things for the first time. And you reach the top and you see this magnificent view. And in the distance, you can see the start of those planes. 
and it gives you this entirely new perspective. So you go down the mountain, you go back to where you're from, and you try to explain this to people. You're trying to explain something to people that they've never seen. Let's say that there's people who would like to experience it. They might even listen to you and you know, be excited about it and they, may, they might want to experience it themselves. But the thing is they still haven't experienced it and they will not fully understand what you're saying even though they might want to. The only way that they can fully understand is if they go and see it and realize those things for themselves. And on the other hand, you're gonna have people that they don't even care about your experience. They, it, it could care less about mountains. They're like, the mountains are stupid. I'm perfectly fine right here. I don't ever need to see those mountains. There's nothing valuable for me there. And so then, you know, like, if the people that are curious about that epiphany or experience can't even fully grasp it because they haven't experienced it for themselves, what are the chances that these people that don't even want to hear about it could possibly understand it? So as you grow, it creates distance in some relationships. I think it's just a fact. And I think it's possible that the smarter you get, the more insights you have about the world, the more alone you will become. And by alone, I don't mean lonely. I just mean that you're gonna have less people in your life. It's sort of like when you're young, you could have 50 friends. It's because at your core, you're, you're immature still. You haven't really differentiated yourself from the group at that point. But as you move forward, I think you will inevitably expose those people who aren't willing to move along with you. And to be honest, I don't really know what the solution is to that problem. If you are stuck with people who basically just have no hope of understanding you, what do you do about that? So I think one of the, the biggest realizations that I've had in my life, maybe in the last little while, basically I didn't realize this till I was in my 30s, but I always felt very misunderstood, not fully accepted for who I am. And I started to realize though, well, why would they understand me? It's like that experience. You go up on the mountain, you see something that nobody else has seen. You realize things, you see this beauty that you can't even describe with words. It, so it almost takes this mind shift of, of course they don't understand me, why would they? And the, the nice thing about that realization is that it kind of takes the weight off because now you're not trying to get something from this person. You're not trying to get their acceptance, their understanding, because you realize that you can't get it. It's not something that they even have to give. So what, what, so what happens when you realize this with the people in your life? In a lot of ways... I think it makes the relationship better. Like let's say with your family, let's say your parents or your brothers and sisters or your aunts and uncles. If you can stop expecting so much out of them, if you can stop expecting acceptance, expecting understanding, I think you can become a much healthier person. Of course, if you are codependent and you require people's validation, require people's acceptance, then this is gonna be hard to actually transition to a place where you accept yourself and that is enough. You validate yourself, you trust your thoughts, you trust your intuition. 
You trust your own values. I think it's one of the reasons why I like the personality stuff because it does provide a little bit of validation about why you might behave in a certain way. When I learned about being an INFJ, which is one of the 16 personality types, this personality type described me so intimately, described my struggles so intimately, that it gave me some validation. It made me feel like, you know what? Maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe I am sane here. And as I moved along in that journey, I think I've come to the place now where it's like, I'm not a crazy person. I think that there are some massive problems with people. There's some massive problems with the world and culture. I think there's some, some huge problems about people. They have these voids inside of them. They fill it with all the wrong things. And in that process, all these problems are created. Problems that have nothing to do with me. So I think the more you grow, the further you're going to get away from certain people. The more distance is going to be created between you and other people. The more you grow, by definition, the more alone you will be. And if you don't work on yourself, if you don't like face those inner demons inside of you, it's going to trigger loneliness. However, as you move away from the people that don't accept you for who you are, and you try to find some people who do accept you for who you are, I feel like some of these loneliness issues will, will slowly dissipate if you work on that within yourself, if you work on your own validation. I think we all have these inner demons inside of us and they're, they're things that we need to address if we're gonna become sort of the full version of ourselves. I think a lot of people completely ignore them and they, like I said, they, they sort of fill their lives with these essentially meaningless things in order to distract themselves from the reality of what's going on inside themselves. I think for certain personalities, this is a very difficult process. So if you go back to the cognitive functions, according to Carl Jung, the introverted feelers are, generally speaking, much better at knowing themselves, knowing their values, having a place that they can center themselves on. So this is like INFPs, ENFPs, um, a couple other personalities that have introverted feeling in one of the top two spots. And then INFJs, which is where I land, we aren't really very good at introverted feeling. We have extroverted feeling. And extroverted feeling, what, it, what does it really want to do? It really wants to create social harmony. There's almost a tendency to sacrifice yourself for the needs of others. Which is why I think that people with extroverted feeling, people that kind of lean in that direction to people-pleasing, we have even more work to do to try to find ourselves, to actually face ourselves. What are our values? How are we feeling? What do we really want? I think it's essential. So what are some examples of some inner demons that you might need to fight when you actually start to look at yourself? So people-pleasing is a big one, like I've already talked about, and I've made a few videos about this topic. So what are some other things that you might have to deal with inside yourself? I think like a fragile self-worth, being extremely sensitive and reactive to other people. Um, it could be just an inability to set boundaries. You might have a fear of abandonment. You might have a fear of being alone. A fear of abandonment will cause you 
to create unhealthy relationships just to avoid being alone, just to avoid that fear of, I don't want to be left behind, I don't want to be abandoned, so I'm just going to take the first person who appears to like half love me. So other ones might be the inability to have your own values and instead just adopting the values of the group, adopting the values of you know, your family, your religion, your political leanings. It's like you can't even think for yourself. You can't even come up with your own values. This is a clear way to coming to a point where you don't even trust yourself. So something I suspect with people is that the more you take on external values and imprint them onto yourself, the less likely you are to trust yourself when you have a value inside you that didn't come externally. I think this happens in religious contexts a lot. People grow up in these fundamentalist religions and they end up accepting these things that maybe don't make sense to them. So, you know, if it makes sense to you, then great. And I think a lot of people, they'll even say it makes sense when it really doesn't. They have these ticklings inside of them that tell them certain things don't add up, but they refuse to acknowledge it. And so one example of this is when people say things like, feelings are unreliable. They'll say that. But sometimes I suspect that people, they have a value inside of them. And it doesn't match with this external moral code that they've been asked to follow. And then instead of dealing with that contradiction and trying to resolve that issue, they instead say, feelings aren't valid. My feelings aren't valid. So push those down, push those down and just accept this external value that's being pressed onto me. I think that is a surefire way to f not even know who you are, to get to the point where you don't even know who you are. And I've experienced this. I think that's the way I grew up. And now I'm in this sort of quest to try to discover who I am and be true to myself, validate myself. And I find that as I do that, a lot of these loneliness issues are subsiding. Now that I've talked about all this stuff, I have a feeling that a lot of relationships are based on these very weak bonds. And then people sit around and wonder why they feel so lonely when they're not understood, they're not accepted, and they're not known. The reality is, is people long to be known. If that's based on sort of codependent tendencies, then I think that those things need to be addressed so that you're not looking for validation in other people. You, you are the source of your own validation. However, once you've accomplished that, I'm not saying that you don't need people because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that a healthy relationship won't be based on that codependent stuff. I kind of suspect that people look too hard for relationships and try to force them along. Like I do have this one friend and she's older than me and I can tell that she is a lot of what I've been talking about. She's scared to be alone. She tries to fill all of her time up to avoid even being alone. She kind of longs for that like soulmate type relationship. But it's almost to the point where as soon as she does start to date somebody, let's say, it becomes this like rush to find out if this person is the one and overwhelms this, this guy that she's dating, it's happened a few times now, overwhelms them to the point where they back off and they don't really want any part of that. 
So here in her attempt to find her soulmate, as she calls it, she then repels the people who might be her soulmate. It's sort of like another one of those paradoxes. The, the truth about relationships is it's more like a plant that's growing. And nothing that you can do will rush this plant. You can't pour extra water. You have to pour just enough water for the plant to grow. It needs sun and water. But if you're like, well, I want this plant to grow quicker. I'm gonna dump a whole bucket of water on it every single day. The plant's gonna die. It gets too much water. You're gonna, you're gonna ruin the plant. You're gonna ruin the roots. You're gonna wash away the soil around the plant. It's not even gonna be able to grow. You can't rush a plant growing. I think that a lot of people do that with their relationships and then later on realize that they're in this situation. They're in a weak relationship. And then there's these intense feelings of loneliness. And so what is the solution to that? Unfortunately, I feel like it's like you've built a house on a weak foundation and then you're wondering why your house is shifting and cracking. Well, how do I fix that? How do I fix this house that's shifting and cracking? I don't know if in that situation that you truly can. The only way is to fix the foundation. So now I'm getting to a point where I have somebody, one person who I feel like truly does know me, truly accepts me, truly understands me. And somebody who accepts me for who I am. I don't have to hide who I am. It's, it's truly amazing. And it's actually getting to the point now where I'm revealing things about myself that I never would have revealed to anybody else. I think the truth is with romantic relationships that nine out of 10 relationships are built on bad foundations. I truly think that is possibly the biggest source of loneliness is when people start to realize that they want to be known, they want to be understood, they want to be accepted, and they realize that they are not. This could be in friendships, this could be in romantic relationships, it could be in family relationships. So what is the solution to that? I think as human beings, like I already said, we have this desire to be known. But until we make ourselves known, we will never be known. So if you are with people that you have to hide yourself from, that you have to hide your true self, you have to be a fake person, then I feel like the first step is to become who you are. And then as you do that, to Find some people who want to grow with you and, and just leave it how it wants to be. Don't put expectations on those people. Just try to find some people who want to grow along with you. So I heard about this sort of informal study recently. They took all these people that were depressed and a lot of them were isolated. So that's ironic, right? You got a bunch of lonely, depressed people that have isolated themselves. So what they did, instead of give them new drugs, more drugs, is they actually gave them a prescription to hang out in this group and garden with other people. So they turned this sort of empty, dead lot into a garden. The funny thing was, though, none of them even knew how to garden. So they had to figure it out. But it kind of gave them a common way to grow. So they, these, all these depressed people showed up 
and they started to learn how to garden. They were putting their hands in the earth, like reconnecting with themselves, reconnecting with the earth, reconnecting with some people. And lo and behold, some really interesting things happened. These people found some community, found some belonging. They became less depressed without drugs. So, I mean, I'm no expert on loneliness. I'm no expert on all this, but what I've begun to suspect is that that is the secret to getting over loneliness, is to grow yourself, evaluate yourself, try to work on yourself, try to fix that need to be validated by others, and then find some people who want to grow along with you. And I realize that's easier said than done because you might need to get rid of some people first who are not letting you grow. But if you can find some people to kind of just live along with who let you be who you really are, somebody that you don't have to fake with, I think that is possibly how loneliness can begin to be dealt with. All right, thanks for listening. Now what I'm gonna do is answer a couple audio questions that I've received in the last week. So thanks very much to the people who sent in questions. I'm gonna pick maybe my favorite two or three questions here and uh, we can talk about them. So first up here is Anna, and I'm just gonna play it and then we can talk about it. Hey Clay, so my question is about rejection. How, as an INFJ, do you cope with rejection, whether it's a relationship or like a job application? So I would like to know. And um, thank you for this feature. It's really cool. I think the thing about rejection is if there's kind of different types of it, right? Like let's say somebody doesn't like you and you really want them to like you. I'm not really sure if there's anything you can do about that. I think the reality is, is that a lot of people confuse preference for value. If somebody's looking for silver, they're not gonna be interested in the gold, even though it could be more valuable. If somebody's looking for gold, they're not gonna be interested in silver. I think a lot of times we assign our value to people's preferences. People could prefer anything, especially in relationships. You could have people that have baggage that are kind of making themselves attract, like a codependent person might be attracted to a narcissistic person. So you come along as a non-narcissist, a completely healthy individual, and this person just isn't attracted to you. Like It's important to recognize when somebody has a preference and not take that personally for who you are as a person. That's one thing. Two would be, a lot of what I'm talking about here. It's you have to learn how to validate yourself. You're, you're the type of person who finds validation in their job, finds validation in their relationships, and they kind of look for that to create value. Then I think that's an unhealthy foundation. But I think the other thing to, to realize is not to get discouraged. If, if there's somewhere you want to get, if there's something that you, like let's say there's a job you really want, you can work towards that. And if you work hard enough, you will get it. Let me give you an example. So right after I finished university, I did a degree in computer science. I decided that I only wanted to work for Electronic Arts, which is a video game company in Vancouver, BC. Uh, maybe you've heard of it, EA Sports. They make some of the biggest sports video games. 
So I went to an information session that Electronic Arts put on at my school. I was in fourth year. And there was literally, I don't know, three, four hundred hungry computer science students in this auditorium, like all waving resumes, running towards the front, like trying to talk to these guys after the session was over. And I remember looking at that and going, I have no hope to work for this place. And I just left. So anyway, I went on, I finished my degree. But after I finished my degree, I decided, you know what? I am going to get a job at EA. So what I did was I shut myself in my room for two months and I made a game. I then found somebody who worked at EA through a mutual connection and I sent him the games. And I said, I wanna work at EA, here is a couple games I made. So this guy got the two games, he was so impressed, he then went and gave a personal recommendation to one of the hiring people. They were hiring some, some new developers for this group. And I had a good interview and I got the job. And then I found out after I got the job that they got a thousand resumes per week. That's how many people applied for a job at EA. And I, I realized that if I would have just gone through normal channels, I never would have got that job. If I would have just thrown a resume into the hiring manager, I probably wouldn't even have got an interview. The reality is if you get rejected, sometimes it could just be meaningless. Like there's some HR manager who looked at the resume and decided, you know, for whatever reason, based on some arbitrary thing that HR people like to see that, you know, you maybe weren't the best pick. I think there's two parts to this question. It's first to realize that somebody's preference does not indicate your value. And then two, you can truly work towards whatever you want. Keep trying. If there's something that you really want, like a job, and you get rejected, brush it off. Don't take it as a sign of your value and keep working towards your goal. You, the reality is you have to get a goal. And if you're working towards something, don't let little things push you off that goal. Keep working towards it. All right, so the next question is from Dania in Ethiopia. So that's pretty cool that there's actually people in Ethiopia who are actually watching these videos. So I'm gonna play that now. Hello Clay, I'm a huge fan from Ethiopia and I had a question that I had uh, posted on your previous, uh, on your old video about codependency. And my question was, I'm going to read it. Hello, I am a fellow INFJ and I have a concern about something you just said. Yes, I agree with practicing to say no, but I also think there are ways to say no to keep the social harmony. I don't mean this for, for people you most definitely don't want to keep a socially harmonious relationship with, but instead, people who you care about and you care about as well. I think we should be tactful and not just be blunt all the time because I think that we that would lead us to be authentically dysfunctional. And by authentically dysfunctional, I mean someone who is unedited all the time for the sake of being authentic and hurting the feelings of the people around them. What do you think? And also, you briefly mentioned gender roles our society has put upon us, and I would like to hear more of what you think about it, maybe in another future video, and how much biology you think plays into it. All right, so thanks very much for that question. Yeah, gender roles is an interesting thing, and it's definitely something I would like to talk about in a future video. It's something that kind of annoys me, 
it's definitely something that I feel a little passionate about and it gets on my nerves now and then, which is usually a good sign that I should talk about it. So hopefully I will do that in the future. As to your question, I think you're absolutely right with that. So hopefully I never came across as I'm encouraging people to not be, I guess, diplomatic or to be sensitive towards other people's feelings. Um, it'll only be super blunt. I think these things are a lot like a pendulum. So let's say you are swung way over here and you are a people-pleasing codependent and you're just basically sacrificing yourself all the time for the needs of others. I think the way to fix that problem is to swing to the other side and practice saying no, practice being blunt, practice having people not be super happy with you. And the goal of that exercise isn't to stay over there. The goal is to swing over and almost like stretch. It's like stretching a muscle, right? So it's the same thing with this. If you stretch way over to the other side as a pendulum, and it's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable, hopefully in the end you can kind of swing back to center and be a more healthy person. So you don't really want to be on either side of the pendulum. You can be a very diplomatic, you know, healthy, empathetic person who also takes care of your own needs. And in that case, you're very warm. You know, it's almost like you're not going to be taken advantage of, so you don't have to worry about this as much once you're a healthy person. But if you are an unhealthy person who is people-pleasing to the max, then that's sort of what I was talking about is sort of how to work on that. How do you sort of solve that problem? And it is sort of by stretching those muscles. So anyway, thanks very much. Hopefully that answered the question. So I did get a few other questions and I really don't want people to feel discouraged that I didn't choose their questions. But I'm gonna to try to pick maybe the top two questions each week. So going back to that first question, how do you deal with rejection? Don't treat this as a rejection if I don't pick your question. Instead, ask me another question next week. Anyway guys, leave me a question about this video and loneliness. I hope you got something out of it. Hope you're having a great week and I will talk to you later.